friends in Christ. Isn't that lovely to be able to say to that? I don't say that easily. It's lovely to be here with you this evening. It really is. Formed in the Desert is the heading for a four-part series. And we tend to think, do we not, that the desert is a negative place. But, you know, throughout Scripture, God encountered men and women for their good in wildernesses. And I really believe that this evening, God is going to speak to you, maybe in a quiet voice, maybe not necessarily for the first time, but in a discernible way. Wouldn't that be lovely? And I'll share something at the end before I finish about what he did for me when I was in the desert. The person that we're focusing on tonight is Elijah. And I'm going to read some verses from 1 Kings 19. I'm down to verse 13, and I'm reading this from the message. Ahab reported to Jezebel everything that Elijah had done, including the massacre of the prophets, and Jezebel immediately sent a a messenger to Elijah with her threat, the gods will get you for this, and I'll get even with you. By this time tomorrow, you will be as dead as any one of those prophets. She's a lovely woman, isn't she? And when Elijah saw how things were, he ran for dear life to Bathsheba. I think I might have done the same. Far in the south of Judah. He left his young servant there and then went on into the desert another day's journey. He came to a lone broom bush and collapsed in its shade wanting in the worst way to be done with it all. Mark his words, to just die. Enough of this, God. Take my life. I'm ready to join my ancestors in the grave. And exhausted, he fell asleep under the lone broom bush. But suddenly an angel shook him awake and said, Get up and eat. And he looked around, and to his surprise, right by his head were a loaf of bread baked on some coals and a jug of water. He ate the meal and went back to sleep. And the angel of God came back, shook him awake again, and said, Get up and eat some more. You've got a long journey ahead of you. He got up, ate, drank his fill, and set out. Nourished by that meal, he walked forty days and nights all the way to the mountain of God, to Horeb. And when he got there, he crawled into a cave and went to sleep. Then the word of God came to him. So Elijah, what are you doing here? I've been working my heart out for the God of the angel armies, said Elijah. The people of Israel have abandoned your covenant. They've destroyed the places of worship and murdered your prophets. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me. Then he was told, Go stand on the mountain at attention before God, and God will pass by. 
A hurricane wind ripped through the mountains and shattered the rocks before God, but God wasn't to be found in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but God wasn't in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, fire, but God wasn't in the fire. And after the fire, a gentle and quiet whisper. When Elijah heard the quiet voice, he muffled his face with his great cloak, went to the mouth of the cave and stood there. Hmm. Yeah, when Elijah heard the earthquake, fire and wind, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Think about it. This was the man who shut up the skies and stopped the rain for over three years. Elijah had challenged the people. How long are you going to sit on the fence, he said. If God is the real God, then follow him. But if it's not, if it's Baal, follow him, make up your minds. Nobody said a word. Nobody made a move. And then Elijah said, I'm the only prophet of God left in Israel, and there are 450 prophets of Baal that the Baal prophets bring up to oxen, and then we go on to the sacrifice. Let them pick one, butcher it, lay it out on an altar on firewood, but don't ignite it. I'll take the other ox, cut it up, and lay it on the wood, but neither will I light the fire. Then you pray to your gods, and I'll pray to mine. And the God who answers with fire will prove to be, in fact, God. All the people agreed. So Elijah told the prophets, the Baal prophets, choose your ox and prepare it. You go first, you're the majority. Then pray to your God, but don't light the fire. So they took the ox he had given them, prepared it for the altar, then prayed to Baal. And they prayed all morning long, Oh, Baal, answer us. Nothing. Not so much as a whisper of a breeze. This is this. Desperate, they jumped and stomped on the altar they'd made. By noon, now think about, this is what I was going to think about, the state of mind that Elijah was in. Not only was he a man under the authority of God, but you know what? He was getting a bit cheeky now. He says, Elijah, by noon, Elijah started making fun of them, taught him, call a little louder. He is a god. Well, maybe he's off meditating somewhere. <laughs> maybe he's gotten involved in a project or he's gone on holiday. He's beginning to mock. This seems far removed, doesn't it? The picture of this man at the mouth of a cave. Would you agree? Yeah. Where's the confidence gone? Where's all that assurance gone? What did they do? They prayed louder and louder, cutting themselves with swords and knives. But apparently that was a common ritual to them until they were covered with blood. This went on well past noon. They used every religious trick, every strategy to make something happen. But nothing happened. Elijah steps forward and says, Hey, it's my turn. He put the altar back together because it was in pieces now. Can you get the, you get the picture? It was all over the place. 
So he took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes of Jacob, the same Jacob to whom God has said, from now on your name is Israel. And he built the stones into an altar in honour of God. Then Elijah drug a, a wide trench, a fairly wide trench, around the altar. Get the picture. He laid firewood on the altar, cut up the ox, put on the wood, and said, fill four buckets of water and drench both the ox and then begin to fill the trench. Now, if I'd have been one of Elijah's friends, I'd have been getting a bit nervous by this stage, would you? Just a little. Well, you know the story, don't you? So you're just smiling sweetly back at me. (laughs) Then he said, do it again. And do it again. That's three times. And then Elijah prayed. O God, God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, make it known right now that you are God in Israel, that I am your servant and that I am doing what I am doing under your orders and under your authority. Answer me, God. O answer me and reveal to this people that you are God, the true God, and that you are giving these people another chance at repentance. And immediately the fire of God fell and burned up the offering, the wood, the stones, the dirt, and even the water in the trench. Hallelujah. All the people saw it happen and fell on their faces in awed worship, exclaiming, God is the true God. God is the true God. I was fortunate enough to go to Israel some years ago with a group, and we were on that very mountain. And there was a party there from Mexico. Well, there were several, but there were lots of people. And myself and Val Cave was there. What's Val, wasn't it? Val Harrison. Yes, wrong name. Val Harrison was there. And we walked where the guy, everybody was praying, and the power of God just almost took us off our feet. The Spirit of God And it just brought this back to me, the wonder of God on that mountain at that time. But hey, this man was now hiding in the desert. This man was Elijah the prophet. Now it's hard to imagine, isn't it, that a threat from the wife of a disobedient king would have this prophet running for his life. How could this hero of all the Jewish stories mums and dads used to tell to their children. How could this be the same man? But this is where I want to begin to move. Wherever you go in Scripture, would you agree with me, you can find an analogy for today's life. Yeah? So what happened to Elijah could happen to us. Is that right? You know, sometimes as men and women of God, we can lose sight of the vision and callings that God has given us. We can get depressed, stumble, and even quit. Um, 2018 was not the happiest year for me. I'd been plagued with a particular physical problem for years, And the doctors could not find a resolution. And then at last a surgeon said, I can fix this. It's tricky, but I can do it. And I had the first operation, I think it was in February. It didn't work. 
And there were loads of people praying for me. Then I went for corrective surgery about two, two months later. Didn't work. It wasn't nice, I can tell you. The third op that he did, and credit to this man, because he was really upset that he'd let me down, this surgeon. He really was. The third op was successful. But it was a strange year. Audrey Blesser had been in so much pain with her knee. And I didn't really know. I was saying, God, what, what, what's happening here? What's happening? And one sunny afternoon, late afternoon, I went into, I just lived next door to St. Peter's Church in Dunchurch, and I overlooked the churchyard. It is a glorious churchyard. Trees, it's quiet, the birds sing. And Audrey asked me to go and get some blackberries, which I did. And then I had a little sit on, this, on a bench in the churchyard and said, God, what is going on? I'm putting a brave face on this. I go to church and I'm smiling, I'm doing my best, Lord, but I just don't know. And this happened. It was a sunny evening. And to my right, there was a, fir, a thick fir tree, about as high as and half obscured was a black headstone with gold writing on it and the sunshine picked out one word on the headstone and that word was David was that God? it was wasn't it that was God saying I haven't forgotten you I haven't forgotten you and he doesn't, he doesn't you know, while others might leave us in despair, God doesn't. I'm looking at faces here and I've spoken with lots of people here and I know that to be true. He cares for us, he comforts us, he strengthens us, he raises us up without shame and he invites us to carry on with his mission. But let's see how God not only redeemed this man from his despair but also chose him to help redeem his chosen people. Let's look, we start to look at the restoration of uh, Elijah, my man on the yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Elijah stands up to 450 prophets of Baal, the king of the, the god of wicked queen Jezebel. They're now seeking to kill him. Elijah thinks no one is left to carry on the work of the Lord. He runs for his life. And there, at the mountain where God gave Israel the Torah and came into covenant with them, Elijah, God speaks to Elijah in his desert experience. Because sometimes we tend to see setback, an episode of despair, or even sin in our lives as a sign that we're no longer worthy. But let's see how God handles Elijah's condition. Lying under a broom tree in the wilderness, wishing to die, God sends an angel to comfort and re-energize Elijah's body with heavenly cake and water. I love this, I love this. Hearing the despair in Elijah's heart, God speaks to him. 
He doesn't say you're finished, Elijah. No, not by any means. And you know, sometimes like Elijah, we can get burned out from stress, fear, and our own short-sightedness, and we can hide away. This story rings so true to me because it's, it's so easy to happen. I was helping a guy just about eight months ago who had lost his job through appalling circumstances, the way the poor man was treated. And I just saw his confidence absolutely collapse. He sat there weeping on the settee. His life, his confidence had just ebbed, just flowed away. He looked at me and he said, my wife doesn't love me anymore. And she was there. It was utter, utter despair. And I prayed for this man. I prayed for him and prayed for him. And praise God, gradually he came back and his confidence was restored. This was a man who at one stage who knew the Lord and was open to prayer. This is very, very real in in this day and age. I'm almost finished here. We're in in Lent. And what is Lent? Well, I think it's a period of a reflection. Would you agree? Self-examination. Penitence, maybe. Self-denial. And study. But more importantly, I think it's a time for us to listen to what God may be saying to us. And who knows, restoration. The last slide, I absolutely love these words. It says, therefore, I am now going to allure Israel. Listen to these words. I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her. That's the heart of our God. And what I'd like to do in this last, well, not last anything, really, Next, next few minutes is for us just to think in this late period. You see, a time of reflection, I think, maybe a time in the desert is a critical time for us. Now, I was very interested in some stuff I read, must have been about three months ago, that in the cathedrals of this nation, even song services are becoming fuller and fuller. And people said, what is happening? Why are people going there? I think I know. I think I know. Because I think they sense, have a sense of peace that they've not known before. And it is a time of reflection. You know, and I feel in my heart, I'm going to say this, because we are now talking about going to one service. It's not to contravene this at all, because that's where we are on our journey. I really believe if we had an evening service, an evening song that was quieter in style, where scripture may be read, and songs of praise to God came, I think this place could be full. I do. As I say, Richard, you're an elder here. I'm not saying that. You understand, I'm not saying this in contravention to where we're going. 
I really feel that. The point I'm making is I think people need a place of peace and quiet because that world out there for some men and women is hell. And they don't know how to cope with it. We do. We have the living God within us. We do. And we can reach out. When I reached out to that guy, that wasn't me. Don't ever go away and say, well, Dave Brumpton, he's... No. The Spirit of God. The Spirit is within us and is upon us. We go not in our power, we go in the power of the Lord. But we go in the love of the Lord too, don't we? Hmm? We know this. So let's just, if we could have maybe Ian, the young man at the keyboard, maybe just some just quiet, reflective, instrumental, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And I just want us um, just to be quiet. And maybe God, I don't know where anybody's at at all, but just a few minutes of reflection and then I'll resume in prayer. And what might God be saying to you? Might it be restoration after you've been battered by whatever it may be? May it be a word of direction? I don't know. Erica this morning at the end was talking about, you know, asking the question, who is God? Who am I? What does our relationship look like? Let's just be quiet. Maybe just for a couple of minutes. Let's think on these things. speak to us and we'll speak to you I pray for myself and all my brothers and sisters here this evening that they will hear from you if it's a word of encouragement Lord that'll be so good maybe direction whatever it may be Lord, we long to hear your voice. We long to hear your voice, Lord. We long for your presence, too. I thank you this evening that you have been amongst us. We love you, Lord. And we thank you for the way in which you bless us in the way that you care for us. 
I pray that in this troubled time we will bring words of peace and comfort and assurance to those who don't know you. Yes, Lord, that we'll support them practically. But that we'll pray, Lord, we'll pray that you may touch the lives of others, Lord Jesus.